and we're live. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Let's Talk Common Sense with Mike Omni. I've been gone since August. Oh my gosh, I've been gone. So much has changed since I was last on air. Like, I've grown a beard. I'm joking, I haven't. But also, I, I can't grow facial hair. But I don't, I don't really mind about that, by the way. There's people who are just obsessed with this. They're like, oh, I need to get a vegan butter or shea butter for my skin. John, right? <laughs> it's a friend of mine. You don't need facial hair. I like my small goatee. But anyways, back to the podcast. A lot has changed since I was last on air. So much. I've been itching. Literally itching different parts of my body in anticipation of when I'm going to be back. And I am back and I'm happy to be back i mean what's changed um well <laughs> we're about to leave the eu with no deal on the table mm. uh dominic cummins just uh quit and up and left well we don't know if he if he quote he was fired but he took with him the communications director so 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 there's infighting now in the, in, in in uh in 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 the the highest echelons of power, as reports say that Carrie Simmons, who is John, uh, Boris Johnson's girlfriend, fiance, apparently she wields a lot of power, and it's because of her that different senior advisors and aides are leaving. Who knows? Or maybe it's the fact that American democracy literally hangs on a thread, and that thread is being held by <laughs> Donald Trump, who still hasn't conceded, right? Uh, 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 the American election loss. It's really odd when you think about it, right? But anyways, so much is happening. So much is happening. And the whole point of this podcast is to help you make sense of all these different things that are happening in the world today. We want you to leave this podcast knowing exactly what's going on in the world, but also feeling like you're, you're in control again, right? So welcome to Let's Talk Common Sense. If it's your first time, smash the follow button, become a member of this family. And if you're, you know, if you're, you're, you're a regular here, let people know we're back, right? Hit the share button, put it on an Instagram live, whatever it is. Let people know that we are back in action and we've got a cracker today. We're going all the way to America, to New York, to speak to a young lad who has got this national mentoring program. But also, I want to hear about him. I want to hear from him how it feels to actually live in America, in New York, Trump's very city. How does it feel to live there today whilst America navigates this really, really crucial time it's in? Now, the whole point of this podcast, like I've said, is yes, making common sense of things, but also helping you meet lots of interesting people, which is the whole point the Common Sense Network exists. Now, this is the network that brings you this podcast at tcsnetwork.co.uk. Find out more about us by going to join.tcsnetwork.co.uk. Oh, I'm so excited for this season because we've got some great, great guests. I've got some heated conversations to have and I'm hoping you will learn, but also stick with me along the way. So please listen to every episode It'll come out right in the morning on your way to work. So you have uh, your, your morning commute is sorted. It is sorted. You can relax. It is sorted. Now, a bit of update about the American election. Of course, we know Donald Trump's uh, lost, but for some reason, he's still not conceding. Uh, Joe Biden has 306 electoral college votes. Donald Trump has 232. Joe Biden's won more than 78 million votes. That's the most any person in history who's ever ran for president in America has, ever, has won. I mean, important to note that Donald Trump also uh, has won over 70 million, which was that kind of never-before threshold. He won, he won 73 million Interesting, though, that we had uh, Joe Biden uh, flipping Georgia. We had Joe Biden flipping Arizona. We have Joe Biden winning Pennsylvania, him winning Nevada. 
I mean, it, 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 it was a clean sweep, to be fair. But Donald Trump's still not quitting. And he's going on uh, saying uh, on, on Fox News, to be fair, telling people that the election's rigged and he actually won. And there's, there's lots to go into there. But before we go into all of that good stuff, let's meet now our guest, whose name is Ikenna or Ikenna. I always get it wrong. Anyways, he's in New York. So we're, we're talking remotely but I can't wait for you to listen to the interview. It's one of the best ones I think I've ever done. He is just a special lad, and you'll find out why now. Right, so, all right, so my first guest for this new season, what a, what, that's so much pressure. Imagine being the first guest on a big new Dang. brand spanking new season. Anyways, my first guest is Ikenna Nebo. No, Ikenna, I got it wrong already. Oh my gosh. Oh man. I'm so sorry. Ikenna, (laughs) we are separated by thousands of miles because you're actually in America right now. You're in Columbia. You are a Columbia junior, double majoring in neuroscience and biology. And obviously, that's super cool. You know, you're you're doing great work there, but you're not not an ordinary student, are you? Because. You could say that. You could say that. Because you've got other things you're doing as well. You've got this this uh, national mentoring program you're doing called uh, the You Can Too program, uh, which uh, is is uh, is is a national mentoring program for for black and brown boys. You've got I want to say thousands of people in the program. Is that true? We have first it's a it's for black and brown boys and girls or whatever it, it is in terms of how you identify um, gender wise. You know we want to stay politically. You know. You don't, want to be, you don't want to be canceled. I don't want to be canceled. That is a death sentence. Um, and it's for black and brown, you know, youth. And um, we have hundreds of students in the men's in the, in the program now from all over. Yeah, I, I, I was speaking prophetically there. So, I, so I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm, <laughs> I'm, three, I'm three years, maybe one year down the line. But, you know, we, we want to get into all of that because, of course, this, the whole point of this podcast is to meet interesting people, but also it's political. So so I, I want to talk to you, too, because I know that you care and you're active and you're switched on. You know, I thought it'd be really interesting to get the perspective of a young, you know, an upshot, really kind of up and coming young male black in America today. Because as it currently stands, as, as I've probably explained already, um, we, we still don't know who the president is, quote unquote. <laughs> Come on, man. Stop that. <laughs> so, so, so you tell me, how does it feel to be in America right now? Because on this side of the pond, we talk at length about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. And they're all just comical figures to us, right? They're all just kind of people in the sky. You're actually, you're in New York, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, so you're, you're actually in, in Trump state. Like, you're, you're, you're where <laughs> Trump's from. How does it feel? Oh, to, don't, um, don't associate us with that, man. Man, don't associate us with that man. Well, tell me how you feel. Tell me how you really feel. How, how does it feel to be a young black man? Every time I say that word, I, I feel like singing that song. I'm a young <laughs> black <laughs> Sorry, I'm, talk- I'm talking too much. So you go ahead. Tell me. How does it feel to be a young black man? <laughs> man, um, right now, being a young black man, just being a young black person, in the United States, it feels like I'm just waiting to see how white people are going to outdo themselves um, next. You know, we're just seeing what they're going to pull out the hat next. First, it was getting Trump into presidency. You know, we thought after Obama, we were like, all right, we're getting somewhere. And then white people were like, <laughs> okay, okay, we got some for you. We got some. Don't worry. 
the way the, the way Trump's presidency caught me by surprise, I'm like, you guys were sitting on that for eight years, huh? You guys really want <laughs> sitting on this presidency for eight years. I feel like we're just waiting to see how, you know, they're going to outdo themselves. Because if it's not um, 70 million people voting for Trump, despite everything that happened in the last four years, um, then it's, you know, the fact that we have white militia groups that are literally training to storm into black communities if Joe Biden is sworn in. Uh, if it's not that, it's people, you know, entering black communities just to destroy them. If it's not that, it's police brutality. It's just like, can black people rest? Can, can we have one day where we're just happy and there's not some sort of tragedy going on? It's, oh, I, I just, I, I'm scared of turning on the news now sometimes. Yeah, well, let, some interesting facts, though, just just to kind of I want to throw this out. You can tell me, what, let me know what you think, because Donald Trump in this latest election, based on, you know, all the reports we have right now, picked up 20 percent of the black uh, male vote, which which is actually an increase of two percent from 2016. Right now. Now, Joe mm. Biden actually dropped from 80 percent. Right. Uh, sorry, to, uh, dropped to 80 percent from around 82 percent that voted for Hillary Clinton and, and then 95 percent of black men voted for Obama. So so what is it about Donald Trump that you think is exciting or is interesting for black men? And why are they? I mean, it's not a, a ridiculous number. Right. But to, to think yeah. that Obama picked up 95 percent. But today, Trump is picking up 20 percent. What what about Trump is appealing to black men? Ikenna? <laughs> oh my god oh i really just i i really really think that is the forex people i think it's the forex black men who think <laughs> trump is going to protect their generational wealth while you're still living with your mother and your father i think they hear all these things that he's talking about wealth and i'm gonna do like what the hell do you have to lose i'm going to protect your money and i'm just like bro if you still use EBT, tr like Trump is not gonna help you. What's like, EBT you for 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 us in the in the UK? Oh, okay. EBT is like um, a program where you get a set amount of um, credit on a card for free food. You know, it's like for those who are disadvantaged financially. And I think you know, black men just see some sort of false financial freedom <laughs> with in this man. Something something exciting. That just doesn't make sense to me. Like, this is the same man. <laughs> I could go into it. This is the same man who has just destroyed black and brown communities for the last four years. And somehow, some way, it's the, it's the coons. It's the coons. That's all I'm going to say. Well, this is, this is interesting because you say he's destroyed uh, black communities. But, you know, someone on the other side may say, well, hold on, hold on a bit. Ikenna. Like, I get this. You're, you're, you're a... You're a black young male. You're in a you're in a great um, uh, uh, Ivy League university. You're doing a great degree. You're going to be a doctor. You're going to be very successful. Um, so you must look at the data. They might say because they, they they might say one of the mm -hmm. biggest issues within the black community in America is this idea of the nuclear family structure being destroyed and the mm -hmm. fact that a disproportionate amount of men who end up in jail tend to be from families where there's one parent and stuff like that. So when people throw stats like that at you, and I'm thinking about people like, say, Candice Owens or, 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 or King Face, who recently deceased, yeah. um, you know, when people throw that back at you, they go, well, Trump's not responsible for that. If anything, Trump's liberating people who are stuck to the Democratic Party. 
I mean, 95% of black males voting for Obama. I, I mean, I mean, was his policies that good for the black community or was it just that, you know, he's a Democrat and, and black people in America always vote Democratic? I think Obama is a very unique situation. I think you have to, <laughs> you need, I think when we're talking about the black vote, you, you, you can't look at Obama because Obama was a black man. We saw ourselves in Obama. We thought Obama was going to get into the White House and put Tupac on a $20 bill. Like we had all this, all, this, all these hopes and dreams. We thought Obama was going to make, um, <laughs> we thought Obama was going to make Soldier Boy, you know, the next, um, you know, how, set, like chief of staff. You know, we had all these dreams for the black community that we just saw in Obama that unfortunately didn't materialize. You know, Andrew Jackson is still on the $20 bill and not Tupac. Um, but that's a very unique situation, you know, given the time period, given Obama was a charismatic black man. That man knew how to speak. He knew how to galvanize. So we have to look at that as a, like a very unique situation. As soon as Obama left, black people was like, all right, what's next? You know, but, but, have- but, but you know, I, I cannot, people listening will go, yeah, but what about that question about, did Trump like you know? Because you, you you said Trump destroyed or he's yeah. he's hurt the black community, Absolutely. and you know. But so in what way has he actually done that? You know, because you you've got this Brexit movement in America, you know, which I'm sure you know about. Uh, you know, the folks being set free from from the Democratic Party and stuff like that. I mean, why do you think that's happening? That that people are saying actually, um, and this is your area of interest because obviously with the You Can Too program. You, you, you've, gone, you've gone in now to ask yourself, how do I mentor these young black kids? Now, the question is, w- what's the kind of profile of these young black kids? Are they from single parent families? Are they from families where their dad does, does take an active role? Or are you filling in the gap? And if you're filling in the gap, you know, kudos to you. Obviously, you're doing a brilliant job. I know all about the work we do. And I think we've even covered some of, some of your work on our platform. The question is, like, should you have to be doing that? Wouldn't it be better if you didn't have I forget the stat, it literally just escaped me, but it's, I think it's above 40% of black households in America don't have a dad in them, which is, which is kind of, that's, is that Trump's fault? I would be factually incorrect to say that the problems that face the black nuclear family and the black community at large are Trump's fault, because they're not. If we're being truthful, um, people like Joe Biden, people like Clinton, which were Democrats, people who passed policies, crime bills, people like Kamala Harris, you know, and the Democratic Party of the 20th century, those are the people, truthfully, who, you know, put into place policies and, you know, laws that embolden and, you know, you know, up, you know, and engendered this mass incarceration system that ravaged the Black community. Um, those are the people to blame. And it's, it's crazy that despite that, the, the Black community has gravitated towards the Democratic Party. Everyone knows, I don't know if this is common knowledge, but you know, the Ku Klux Klan was a Democratic you know, organization. That's where it started from. Um, so historically, the Democratic Party has been just terrible for the Black community and they've ravaged the Black community with their policies. So no, it hasn't, it wasn't Trump's fault. Interestingly enough, Trump, before he ran Democrat, before he ran um, Republican, was a Democrat. Democrat, yeah. Was a Democrat. So you can say that in a way he does, you know, he has, he was, he did fall into that pool of people who just didn't like the black community. If we look at his earlier practices, you know, most notably his housing discrimination, 
the Central Park Five, where he called five, he called for the death of five innocent black men. You know, this man is not a man with a stellar um, record in the black community. Now, this is he responsible for the black community's um, struggles today? No. However, did he embolden policies? Did he embolden people? Did he embolden policing that worsened the black state in the United States? Absolutely. When you ask the sitting president, can you disavow white supremacy? And he's like, man, I don't even, what is supremacy? I don't even like, <laughs> what does that even mean? He's like, we first got to define what supremacy is. And, <laughs> and then, you're like, come on, bro. Come on. Like, I don't even think like supreme, you mean the clothing brand? Like what is, I don't know what you mean by white supreme. I'm not even white, matter of fact. <laughs> when, you, when you ask the sitting president, can you disavow white supremacy? And he's like, I don't know what I'm saying. Like, white supremacy, white people who fall into those categories are like, yup, that's our God. You know, we have the license to now say these awful things. When you, when you ask the president to listen to the black community, when you ask the president, do you believe black lives matter? And he calls it a hate group. He calls it a group that engenders violence. Well, how do you think that, that, that rings in the Ku Klux Klan? And in, in the Proud Boys and gotcha. in these, but you, you know, but you know, but you know what, 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 you know, folks who support Donald Trump would say to you then, and the reason why they say that actually it's better that Donald Trump is still president, is that they would say, cool, Donald Trump's wrong, and his actions and his behavior and his words clearly are problematic. However, in terms of his policies, they've led to a record high in terms of black business, like like new startups record low unemployment for the black community, uh, increase in the disposable income for black families. They would say, well, in, in, in actual fact, right, he's helping the black community in a way that the Democratic Party historically haven't made it to. Important to note, this is not my opinion at all, but I, but, but I just think oh, it's, cool. it's, it's important to throw that out to you to say that, cool, but, but you can't ignore the fact that, okay, cool. Maybe he's a showman. Maybe he, he does have this New Yorkan thing, right? Where he just says a lot and does a lot. And he's just very kind of like verbose and, hype, and speaks in hyperbole. And he's over the top for want of a better term, right? However, in terms of his actual behavior, folks would say, it's not doing too bad. What do, what do you say to that? I think people conflate um, active policy that helps with met with like just managing because trump truthfully inherited a booming economy like obama what they gave obama like what they gave that man he's like hey what am i supposed to do with this like what am i supposed to do with this like we got we got the housing is declining the stock market is doing the stanky leg how do i how do i fix this did you say the stanky leg yes the stock market you know that's what they gave obama and I'm pretty sure a lot of people were just like, huh, you know, we gave we gave the black person the, the shitty economy. He's going to mess up. And then we're never going to give black people authority again because he did a poor job. And Obama was like, no, I'm going to do a decent job. And he gave Trump, you know, a decent economy. So truthfully, Trump didn't have to do much of anything. And he yeah. didn't do much of anything. What he did was allow an economy that was already flourishing to continue doing what it was doing. And I feel like a lot of people conflate, you know, those two things like because it happened under trump it was because it was trump is responsible for that growth where that is not the case at all everything that trump has proactively done has instituted has been a massive failure has been massively either 
detrimental or inconsistent. What I mean by that is like you have things like banning Muslims. That was a, that was a policy. That was his first more one of his first proactive policies. That was yeah. a that was terrible. That was terrible. Well, it was blocked. It, it was blocked by the by the Supreme Court. It, it didn't actually. It was blocked. But yeah. like the fact that he you know proposed that terrible. Okay, he told us he was going to build a wall. To this day. Where the wall? Well, he, he has <laughs> he he has built a lot. Uh, 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 he has built the wall, but um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's not the twenty twenty thousand feet that he imagined. I think he it's. Told it's, us we was gonna get a wall that goes to heaven, and that Mexico was gonna pay for it. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, 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 he's he's only about he's built about twenty four percent of the wall he was gonna build build. And then who's paying for it? Not Mexico. No, no, not Mexico. He, he swore. <laughs> We're going to get Mexico to pay for it. We asked him how. He's like, I'm going to figure it out. And Mexico's like, not pay for a damn thing. And they haven't paid for anything. You know, okay, the stimulus. He gave us a stimulus. Great, 1200 However, he gave us a stimulus, and it's been months since then. So realistically, we, we, you gave us $1,200 for six months. <laughs> So hold on, hold on. So because uh, yeah, I don't want to relitigate and, and go through the election again, because obviously we know that you know, yeah. we had this debate for many, many months and, and folks you are listening. And by the way, if you're listening and you want to get involved in this conversation, the hashtag is LTCS and just go onto Twitter, or Instagram, whatever it is, and just just jump in the debate. I'd love to hear your comments and your thoughts as well. Um, you know, the, 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 I don't want to go go over the debate of the election again. One thing I'm interested in knowing, right, is. So America's kind of currently in this limbo period, isn't it? I said in it. Oh yeah. my gosh, Southeast London just yeah. came back out. Very UK. <laughs> isn't, isn't it, right? Where, where you know, Joe Biden's been projected a winner by many, if not all, kind of major news outlets. Um, however, Donald Trump's not conceding, right? And he's refusing mm. to concede. In fact, I think he kind of half conceded today when yeah. on Twitter he said, Joe the Biden, only reason only, Joe Biden won. Yeah, he said the only reason Joe Biden won is because we're like, Oh, he won. He won. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Crazy. (laughs) He's not just like sat in a bunker, just you know, reimagining a different set of set of circumstances. So, this limbo period, right, that you're in right now, on the ground, as again a young black man in America, (laughs) right? How how does it feel? Is this limbo thing actually affecting you? Everyone's talking about democracies under threat. Is that your experience, or are you just kind of like meh? I think being black in America is being in a state of perpetual limbo, because no matter who is in office, there is this fear that your livelihood, that your communities, will be destroyed. There is this, you know, there is this anxiety that every black person feels with each election, even under the Obama administration. Because when Obama was running and when Obama was eventually elected, we're like, okay, we got a black man in, but now we know if he does a terrible job, that's, that's it for the community. Because white, white people are going to be like, ah, we gave you guys a chance and look what you guys did. <laughs> you know, we were like, there was every black person was like, please don't mess up. Please don't mess up. Please, please don't mess. Just don't do nothing crazy. Just do good. You know what I'm saying? Like being a black person in this country is a state of perpetual anxiety, perpetual limbo. I think this election, the last four years, and even into this election, we are continuing to live the way that we that we only know how, which is just, you know, I, I was reading this I was reading this um article um in the New York Times. Or it was a, not it was from the New York Times, but I read it in a book called The Fire um The Fire This Time, um which is like a spinoff of James Baldwin's The Fire's Next Time. 
And they one one of the thing that one of the things that was said in the book is our laughter was that of perpetual stuckness, which is that the black laughter, the black the black sentiment, the black you know expression is one of you know there's a lot of energy in it, but when you really break it down, it's like and there's this acknowledgement that we are stuck, that we have nowhere to go because it's not like you go to, to London and London is this you know, amazing, progressive, you know, pro-black place. You know, it's not like you go to, you, we can go back to the continent and yes, it's majority black, but it's not like, look at Nigeria. You know, it seems like wherever black people go, there is something there waiting to pose a threat to their livelihood. So. Being a being a young black man, like the the young kids saying, we have a long way to go. Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. Eloquently put, bro. That that that's so eloquent. And I think um, for us on this side of the pond, it's gonna be it's it's really interesting to hear you say that. And it's heartbreaking in a sense because when you said that, you know, I was I was in my feelings a bit because I thought to myself, <laughs> you know, the thought of being in like perpetual agony, it's something you kind of wouldn't wish on your worst nightmare, right? And it's yeah. something black people in America, particularly at this time, have to live with. You know, I, I'm sure you saw that video of Van Jones, who is a CNN uh, political yeah. commentator, breaking down into tears, literally when it was projected that Joe Biden would win. And people were online clowning him for it, you know, calling him like soft. And to be fair, Van Jones does love crying a bit too much, right? <laughs> but, but... <laughs> That guy's that guy that guy always crying. Let's be honest. Right? <laughs> no, for real. I'm like, dude, are you dehydrated? Like, I'm like, bro, just you know, have a, just chill out. Just you know, have a brief break. Anyways, um, but but it, it it was so for me, it was so powerful as I watched it on my like my phone screen, like to see how much it meant to him. You know, six o'clock. Oh gosh, sorry. That's <laughs> this is my this is my uh my laptop telling me the time. It was so powerful for me to see what it meant for him, right? And, and, and it's what took it away from being, because I think one of the biggest issues we have as kind of political commentators is we can often just look at things as though it's just, just a you know, different, uh, uh, they're all just talking points and arguments and stuff like that. But he was talking about how the George Floyd moment, that I can't breathe thing, that's yeah. how he's felt for so long under this ad administration. And so... Yeah. Just the, the mere sight of a, light, of a light at the end of the tunnel, albeit, you know, it feels like we're kind of crawling near the end now, but who knows, right? That the mere sight of that, it made it reduced him to tears, man. I think, and I think Van Jones's, you know, sentiment was one that we all felt this, this sense of relief. But I feel like a lot of people aren't seeing like how indicative of the black plight Van Jones's tears were and his sentiment was because. Think about who Joe Biden is and his track record as a politician. You know, you know, he instituted the crime bill. He's not he he said himself in this private meeting with a bunch of you know sponsors and contributors that their livelihood, like their way of life, was not going to change under his administration, which is terrible because the reason we are, you know, we've we voted for you and we delivered them him the White House is because we had this expectation that you would change their ways of life, that you would tax them more, that you would make things better for underrepresented communities, for America as a whole. He is not the ideal candidate. However, Joe Biden is so much better for black people that Don than Donald Trump is despite his tremendous flaws that Van Jones was reduced to tears. And that should tell a lot about what black people are going through because truthfully in a vacuum, Joe Biden is shit. 
but shit is better than what we've had with Donald Trump as black people. So the fact that we are praising mediocrity, like, yes, Joe Biden, great. We can, we're better, but we're not. We're just, we've just chosen the lesser of two evils. And that's what black people are always doing. We're choosing, okay, we're like Sean King, we're, um, like whatever your opinions of him are, <laughs> don't really, I'm not really interested I, I thought, in discussing I thought, that I thought, right I now. I going to bring us all together and then you brought Sean King up. But hey, go ahead. I just want, I just want to quote him real quick with, because he said something that I thought was profound. Like I said, your opinions, my opinions of him aside, he said that for black people and for people within these underrepresented communities, it seems like what we're doing in these elections are choosing who we want to fight against for the next four years, you know? And do you want to fight against Trump or do you want to fight against Biden? It's not, we're, we're not choosing who is going to champion us. We're choosing who am I more comfortable in calling my political adversary for the next four years. And that's the black fight all over the world. Not, but especially in the United States. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Woo. <laughs> Hey, you've come with the fire today, haven't you? Um, <laughs> well, you know, one thing that is, that is for me, at least uh, a bit of a bright light is despite all these things we're talking about that we can see on the ground, that we can see as political, political commentators, you yourself in your private domain, your private life, you've decided that you're not going to wait to see and wait for a savior and a politician. Yeah. But you're going to get on the ground and start mm -hmm. doing some work to change the reality for black and brown boys and girls, like, like all over the country, basically. Yeah. But tell me a bit about what prompted you to start the You Can Too program, which is this amazing program. And when, you, when we first talked about it, it's all I could think about for like the day. I just kept on thinking about how moving it was. Now, we've already talk, talked about how we don't want to get lost in the detail, and <laughs> right? But, um, but tell me anyways, like, you know, what prompted you to start that? Because I imagine, was it, was it some of these political things we're discussing or was it something totally different? It was, it was there, those, our, these political things definitely played a role in it. But truthfully, what prompted me to say, to start You Can Too, was this feeling of, you know what, I'm tired of asking white people, people in power to do things for us. Because the more we ask, it seems like we don't get anything. You know, there's kids who need this help. There's kids who have so much potential, who have so much they can contribute to their community, to the world. And it feels like we're in this state of, it feels like as a Black person, I'm always looking up, asking white people for things and asking them to create space for me, asking them to give us resources, asking them to teach us our history. I was like, I'm tired of that. We deserve better. And I'm going to create better, you know. So I created You Can Too. Um, you Can Too is a space where I don't have to ask white people for things, except for money when we need funding. Um, but, <laughs> 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 um, but, 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 you know. <laughs> but within the space of You Can Too, we create our own curriculum. We create, we, we, we run our own mentorship. We teach our black and brown students this is what you have to do to be successful academically as a black student in the United States curriculum. These are the, the, study to, the study habits you need to adopt. These are the websites you have to visit. These are the books you need to read. This is what you need to do to be a successful high school student. Boom, all right, you wanna to apply to college? This is what you need to do. This is um, how you fill out an application. This is how you do an interview. This is how you take the SAT. We pay for SAT books for, our, for the mentees. Not only that, not only do we have them apply, we're like, all right, once you get into a college, you're gonna be met with a lot of white people. 
this is how you navigate that space. This is how you navigate, you know, microaggressions and ignorism and ignorism and ignorance and you know racism and feeling like you don't belong in this space. This is how you navigate that. All right, boom. Outside of outside of um, school, when you are in the world as a black and brown person, how do you navigate that? How do you, you know, address the nuance of the things that you have to experience? This is how you do that. One by first, we first educate them on the history because you can't move forward without understanding where we came from. We first educate them on the history. So we talk to them about things like slavery, things like, you know, activism, things like policies. It's very, we don't get taught enough policy. We don't get taught about redlining. We don't get taught about the war on drugs and how that was really just a war on black people. We don't get taught about the crime bill, about mass incarceration, about the fact that there's still a clause in the 13th Amendment that says that we are legal slaves in the criminal system. We don't get taught that. We don't get taught yeah. about the different policies that are, that are distorting our experiences as Black people every single day. And then once we have a working understanding on that, you know, which through the program, all right, now how do we start deconstructing these? How do we start surmounting them? How do, we, how do I succeed as a Black and Brown person in this country at least on an intellectual level and on, in the, on an understanding level, now that I know what's against me. And well, that's where the mentors come in. Because mentors, wh what I feel, have gone through what these mentees are going through, these high school students. The mentors are black and brown college students who are highly accomplished in a bunch of amazing colleges. So that's where they come in. You know, the mentor will tell his mentee or her mentee, all right, so you're having a problem with colorism, for example. You know, we try to do it. We try to match mentors and mentees who mentees the mentors who look like them, who yeah. have similar experiences to them. So like, you're having problems with colorism? I got problems with colorism. Let me show you how I navigated it. Or oh, you having you don't feel like you belong at the school that you, that you just got into? I felt that. Let me show you how to get through that. And the kids come through, the kids been go through our program, like, why am I not taught this at the school? Like, I thought I was a bad student. No, I just had terrible infrastructure around. Yeah. And I, 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 I just love the fact that you're not, you, what you said, again, so powerful there is rather than waiting for the system to change or for, um, for, you know, things to become better, as it were, you're going, okay, I'm just going to do what I need to do. And, and what I love about the story of you can too, is that, you know, what started as in you just going, I want to mentor some kids because you saw a need is now grown yeah. to like a much, much larger dance where other people who have a similar passion to you have joined and now you're the president of the United States. I'm joking, I'm joking. You're the president. <laughs> you're, the pre you're the president of the You Can Too program. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you probably could get more votes than Kanye did, to be honest, if you if you remember. Oh. But, but let's not go there. You're, you're the president. Of the <laughs> I think the, the best news headline I saw this, um, this election cycle was when it said, Kanye West has conceded the 2020 race. He's going to come back in 2024 i said oh what well, did he <laughs> anyway <laughs> not funny i shouldn't laugh for a black brother um but 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 you know it's much larger now you've got hundreds of kids from different countries you've got all these different mentors hundreds of mentors i mean it's it, you've achieved so much in a short space of time and people should not be fooled it takes hard work it takes dedication i mean you're sat there with a durag you know and some airpods <laughs> you know, kind of looking like a kind of just, just hit a, no, just hit, like you're here for a good time, you know, kind of thing. Not, not a long time. <laughs> not a long time, but, but you're an incredibly hard worker from what I know about you and, and, and you're doing really, really well. And I think it's, it's important for people to know 
that they don't have to accept the world as it currently is. They can go, the world isn't working for me. And so I'm going to build a better one. Right. And it takes people being prophetic <laughs> in that way and going, you know what? I see a better world. And Absolutely. this is my little corner of it. And I'm going to just clean up that corner. And that's it. And, you know, in, in an odd type of way, we're here with this kind of alternative news outlet. It's the same thing. It's okay. There's a corner of the world that's broken. That's not quite working the way it ought to. Let me do something about it. So how do people help you, especially from this side of the aisle? We're here in the UK. What can we do, um, you know, to, to support what you're doing? Okay. So right now, the best ways to support um, UK and two specifically is twofold. One, um, go to our social media platforms and follow first and foremost. Um, on Instagram, we are at UCAN2Program, um, Y-O-U-C-A-N-T-O-O program. Um, on <clears throat> Twitter, we are UCAN, at UCAN2Inc. Um, on, link, on LinkedIn, UCAN2Program. Go follow our profiles. Um, and share, like the content, share the content, because we don't just share content from our sessions, like videos from our, our mentor-mentee sessions, but we have a social media team that creates original videos, that creates um, threads, informative threads and things that people need to know, that creates polls and things like that. We have this awesome series on our Instagram page called People You Should Know, where we create like these high, high quality videos on like Black activists and influencers that we don't talk more about. And you guys should all check that out and share it because I high key believe that Instagram has shadow banned you can too. <laughs> and, um, you know, Instagram is doing this thing where they're like shadow banning pages that are political or that, you know, have anything to do with empowering black people. And, you know, they're just like, oh, that's enough of that. Let's just um, not let your content. That's enough of that. Let's just, let's just, let's just bring that down. <laughs> too many blacks in the space. We're, we're going to shut it all down. <laughs> um, so if, you, if, you, if people can go follow our pages, share our content, um, that'll, that'll help us a lot because the way we get mentees is through having this exposure, you know, having mentees have access to our profiles, then they, then they tr um, trickle into our website and sign up. That's one. And then two, Hey man, some money, <laughs> anything helps. We have Venmos, we have PayPal's, we have Zelle's. Um, anything helps because we're working with so many students and we've made a commitment to each student that we will help them pay for the cost of preparing for the SAT. And that is not cheap at all. Um, I, on, for me, when I took the SAT, and for those who are not familiar with it, it's like basically like the exam that most students in the United States who are in high school take um, in preparation for college. It's like an entrance exam almost, but it's, it's very expensive to prepare for it. Um, my mom, who's my biggest fan and my best friend paid like a, paid for me to take an online class. that was almost like $800 in addition to a bunch of textbooks that she bought me. Um, I ended up getting, doing really well on the exam. However, I recognize that my mom sacrificed a lot to make that happen. It's not money that she just had just sitting around. Like this is money she had to like take away from other things. To, to help me do that. And I know that some families just don't have money to even take away from the things, you know? So me as a program, I so much believe in black youth that I truthfully and firmly believe that given the right circumstances and resources, they can perform at or above the level of their white peers. And I've seen that in UK too. 
when we pay for the SAT stuff, I'm like, don't worry about the cost. We got y'all. We here's an SAT textbook. Here's some here's some resources. Just study. They okay. do it and they do well. So we just need the money to keep that going because <laughs> this is not like they're not. It's not cheap. It is not cheap. Every time I look at the you can't bank account, I'm like, you <laughs> you no, no, this this is so good, so so good. Folks, you've got to share this podcast, man. Like, listen, we're back. This is the first episode. This is high key to borrow your term. Probably one of the best conversations I've had on here. Thank you. Honestly, it's so good. And I really hope people share it. So if you haven't done so, just hit that share button um, or subscribe or follow. Just be just 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 get this podcast out there to other people so they can hear about the great work that um Ikena's doing. I don't normally do this, but how old are you? Just in case people are wondering, like, because you've done all these ridiculously, you know, hard, difficult, I mean, to grow an organization, you know, it's it's something I know a bit about. It's hard. It is hard, right? It's hard. I I told you when I first met, I used to have an Afro, right? (laughs) It's gone. Mike, what? (laughs) Gone. It's just gone. It just fell out, right? So so how old are you for people who are are, uh, wondering? I just turned 20 in October. 20 years old. Yeah, wow. I just turned 20. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Are you actually 20 or <laughs> are you are you American 20? What what what's your what's No, I was born in 2000, October 2000. I just turned 20. Um yeah, I founded UK2 when I was 19. No, when I was 18, I founded UK2 July 23rd, 2019. So I hadn't even turned 19 yet. Um so I found it when I was 18, grew it over the t- over some time, and it blew up. And yeah, I'm, I just turned 20. Wow. Well, you're doing amazing, man. And I'm Thank glad you. we're I'm glad we're connected, and you know we talk frequently anyway. So I hope we just talk more. Now we're we're ending these podcasts a new way. Yeah. Okay. And here's this new way. So let's talk common sense. It's all about being straight talking, getting straight to the point. None of that waffle. Speaking directly yeah. to issues and just being like. Uh, you know, uh. <laughs> okay. So I start each episode with a rant where I just kind of give my thoughts on something, and my guest will end the episode with their rant for one of a better term. So imagine you're on a soapbox, yeah, uh, okay. and you know the whole you've got the whole world's attention, right? And you've got thirty seconds or so to just say something that just you know just this is what's on my mind. This is what I'm thinking, right, to the whole world. What would you say, right? Um, I'll count you down and then you can go into it. Is that okay? Yeah, for sure. Three, two, one. We have to do better for black women. Um, we have to patronize black women, listen to black women, love black women. For the, for the last month or so, um, I've had the privilege of having conversations with a bunch of you know the black women in my life and it just, pains me to see how neglected they feel in the political, you know, conversation and the societal conversation. Um, it just, for, for a group of people who do so much for society, you know, 90% of women, black women voted for Biden. You know, Stacey Abrams went to Georgia like and carried that state for Joe Biden, you know. So for, so, for the, this demographic of people that does so much, especially for the black community, um, like Malcolm X said, they're the most disrespected per- person in the United States. And that, that remains true to this day. Um, 
And actually, they're the most disrespectful people in the world. You know, for people who are just carrying society, who are doing so much and just spreading so much love for society, for a demographic of women that other women try to emulate, you know, in their style, their body types, their slangs, their everything. You know, Black women just contribute so much for them to feel and continuously get left out um, is, is a problem. I recognize that as a Black man, I'm part of that problem. Um, black men, we need to recognize that we are part of that problem. We don't protect black women enough. We don't, you know, uplift them enough. You know, we just need to come together as a community and recognize that we are privileged to be around black women and do whatever we can to help them and to uplift them and to show them love. Um, and this is not a commentary on other women from other demographics. This is me as a black man seeing a problem with how m women in my race are being treated not a commentary on other races, but we just need, need to do more. And yeah, man, listen to black woman. Powerful. Yes. No, no one listens to 30 seconds things. So, so don't, don't feel too, don't feel too bad about that. Um, that was really well said. And yeah, I hope people listen and I hope people, people hear that. You've been a great guest, sir. And, you know, I look forward to bringing you back on at some stage. I mean, this, this was a super fun. Yeah. Um, you gotta sing the. So Thank the Lord, I am free. I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! No, if you watch the video of that kid singing, it's like, why is your mouth open? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he he really went for it. <laughs> but anyways, <laughs> I'm gonna speak to you later. Thank you so much. Yeah. And there you have it, folks. That was the interview. What a cracker of an interview. That was. I mean, it was one of those kind of, you, you know, you think it's going to be a nice, interesting chat and you leave going, wow, I need to do better and wake up and, and become a better person. So I hope you really enjoy that. I hope you have an amazing week. Uh, please do subscribe. Hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, and if you're, if you're listening on, pod, uh, on Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, leave us a rating and really share this with friends. Let's, let's, let's start this moment. Next week, I've got an, a, a very special guest and I want you to, first, to be first to find out. So follow LTCS on Twitter or on Instagram and you'll be first to find out who that next guest is. As always, get involved, get stuck in and keep talking common sense. Speak soon. <laughs>